and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 35th episode of the podcast for the week of January 7th, 2019. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week, and then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back uh, fellow San Diegan, uh, professional astrologer and herbalist Lisa Allen to join me in a discussion on Aquarius season, Dreaming the Future. And you know what's so funny about this is that I had a total blip on my radar, like a a week just went like in my mind, Uh, and I was already in the future. I guess how Aquarian is that? For some reason, I thought we were moving into Aquarius at the end of this week. We still have another couple weeks to go, so I'm a little ahead of the game talking about Aquarius (laughs) this week. Um, But we do have that upcoming eclipse uh, that will be happening on... uh, with Aquarius and Leo access. So I guess consider this a preparation for where we'll be uh, gaining some conscious awareness in the Aquarius vibe moving forward. So just a heads up. All right, so before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast, uh, you can do so on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. So to check that out further, you can uh, view it at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, so let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week as we wax forward from last weekend's new moon solar eclipse in Capricorn. On Monday, we start out the week in the detached yet innovative air sign of Aquarius, where Luna hangs out until moving into the dreamy waters of Pisces on Wednesday. We swim with the fishes until she moves into the fiery, initiating energy of Aries on Saturday, and where she will go on to make her first quarter square uh, and then move through the remaining sign of the ram throughout the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you're in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing is not always precise, as astrological transits, uh, otherwise known as the connections that planets make to one another, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to, you know, feel it a little sooner or a little later than the exact moment of contact. And really, that's the moon's job. That's the moon helps dictate, you know, when we feel it. Well, you know, we've got another impactful week before us as we push off the momentum of last weekend's solar eclipse in Capricorn. Messenger Mercury receives a challenge from fiery Mars this week and then also meets the discipline of Saturn shortly after. 
So that, you know, watch where you act and how you uh, assert yourself this week, because I guess there will be consequences. But I'll be looking at a more uh, positive way of looking at this later. We also have the sun making its yearly conjunction to transformer Pluto. And we also have the first exact transit of Jupiter making his square to Neptune, a transit that is likely to color the vibe of 2019 in significant ways. Uh, And with that first quarter moon in Aries later in the week, uh, we are fanning the flames and pushing forward into action. So I guess the question is, are you ready? Well, let's not waste any time and dive right in. On Monday, we have the moon in Aquarius, and she will make a sextile to Mars uh, during the day. Um, And also note, we have Venus, who's going to be moving into Sagittarius. Uh, And so our gal Venus is probably quite thrilled to move out of the change-inducing detriment that she found herself in while retrograding in and out of Scorpio. And granted, it was all necessary for the cultivation of greater emotional balance, yet now Venus moves into the fiery expansiveness of Sagittarius and is most likely ready to strip off her funeral clothes and then put on her hiking gear because she'll be ready for adventure. Relations are likely to take on a more jovial nature, and with Jupiter being in his own sign and speaking for dear Venus, this is a time of positive growth within partnerships and creative endeavors. The heaviness recedes in order to have some fun, yet we may not be in the frame of mind to open up to full commitment, particularly if you are in a new relationship or you're experimenting with a form of expression, Uh, you know, because... Sagittarius kind of lives in this transitory realm. So assess what sticks once Capricorn comes around. But for now, you know, it's just time to expand your lifestyle further and get out of your comfort zone uh, in order to find greater harmony. So Venus will be in Sagittarius until February 3rd. So experiment, get out there, have some fun, and then solidify after that date. Now, the bottom line for Monday is is that Mercury uh, is about to square Mars, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. So we are going to be feeling that today. So hold space for what I'm about to say tomorrow. Uh, But we are ready to tackle this week with Mars revving us up with an early morning sextile to Luna. The vibe is cool and detached while the moon is in Aquarius, with many communications and social interactions coming in. As Uranus is still quite slow because he just uh, stationed to go direct uh, on Sunday, Uh, we have Mercury and Mars ramping things up a bit. So you can expect the unexpected today. There is that element in the air, particularly with the moon in Aquarius and Uranus stationing. Uh, but luckily, you know, we'll be removed enough to deal with whatever comes our way. That's the, the beauty of the Aquarius uh, energy is that you can kind of stand back and get uh, more of a bird's eye view of what is happening to you. But really, ideas are going to be abound. So look out for innovations on your viewpoint at this time because something might come in that helps, you know, shift things a little. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Aquarius and will make an early morning sextile to Jupiter. But as uh, of note, we have Mercury squaring Mars that day, which is also very early. So that's why, you know, this is more of a Monday, Tuesday, 
vibe, but you know, you probably were feeling it uh, into the, the weekend. So what is this Mercury square Mars? Well, Mercury is the messenger. It's what brings in news, information, calls, emails. Um, when we're learning something, if something comes in, we're like, oh, I get it. Because uh, it's essentially helping us uh, to reason through, you know, what it is we're perceiving and what's coming in. And because it's a square, these bring events that challenge us or cause friction or tension that, you know, push us into action in some way. And so what is that action? Well, it actually is action because that's Mars. <laughs> that's our focused drive where we're motivated, uh, how we assert ourselves. It can involve male figures in our lives, um, but it can also have to deal with anger and accidents. So just be uh, a heads up, you know, especially while Mars is in Aries because we won't even realize that, you know, what could happen until it's already said and done. You're like, wow, oops, oops. <laughs> All right. So, you know, when these two meet, the spark Sparks can certainly fly as these energies together can create irritability and mental aggression when we are challenged by something that fires us up. And since this is a square, it is likely to be no one's fault per se, yet we may still find ourselves in situations or hear news that causes our defensive natures to stand up and be heard. Because Mars is on the defense, that's why he's the warrior, and in Aries, uh, he is can be quite defensive. So if you are in a bad mood or feel like everything is irritating the hell out of you, this is likely the reason. Uh, But the positive side to this is that sometimes when we get fed up or are challenged in a way that causes us to stand up for ourselves, it can be the tension needed to motivate us to turn the corner. Mercury and Capricorn and Mars and Aries may have us pitted against outer authorities, yet it can also allow us to align with our own fire and to step into our own self-authority to handle matters and initiate progress. Overall, I would slow your roll for the beginning of this week, as a hot head is more than likely. And with this potential of being, you know, kind of an accident-inducing transit, especially with cars or transportation, you'll want to take your time. So just start off the week with the wisdom of the great ice cube. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself. That is the motto of early week. (laughs) So the bottom line for Tuesday is is that we have another day of intellectualizing and communicating uh, with the moon still residing in Aquarius. We may be feeling the need for freedom or wanting to do our own thing, especially as Mercury and Mars create tension. So don't be surprised if you feel like bucking the system in the early part of the week. We are likely to be aware of the societal dimension with news and info coming in uh, with relation to the people in our systems, and we are conscious of the world sphere at this time. So put your emotional energy into what you'd like to see in the future, as the moon here, uh, you know, and especially right after this eclipse, can really help to set intentions moving forward. Now, on Wednesday, we have the moon still in Aquarius, uh, but she will move to Pisces around midday, at least here on the Pacific coast. And along the way, she will make a sextile to Uranus, a square to Venus, uh, and that is it. That is what she's doing. 
Um, so the bottom line for Wednesday, because we have no transits exacting that day, is that we have a bit of a two-part day going on. As we are still in the detached intellectual energy of Aquarius in the first part of the day, with a sextile to Uranus providing a little restlessness, yet also innovative inclinations to chew over. So pay attention to what comes in as there may be an opportunity to work with that hunch. So that can happen on Wednesday, but really the first part of the week with that moon in Aquarius, we may be getting a lot of hunches coming our way. Now, once Luna moves into Pisces, things will get a little dreamy and sensitive, most likely with energy dropping down a little. A square to Venus later in the day may cause some emotional turbulence within relations to others. So if you find that to be the case, you know, just retreat for a little me time so that you can transcend any difficulties that you encounter. Now, on Thursday, the moon is... Uh, officially in Pisces for the full day, and she'll make a sextile to Mercury very early on, a sextile to Saturn, a square to Jupiter, and then a conjunction to Neptune. Uh, and I, so there's no exact transits happening that day, but the bottom line is that Pluto conjunction is brewing and can definitely be felt throughout the day and really throughout this week. And I'll be getting that in a second. Um, but because that is going exact really early in the morning on Friday, Thursday is going to probably be pumping that energy up. Um, so basically life is changing and we are feeling the call to surrender and accept an influence that, you know, the Pisces moon can bring to us. There may be some spiritual doubt in the air as Luna squares Jupiter, so don't get too down on yourself as this is just a passing phase. We move even further into an otherworldly vibe as the moon conjuncts Neptune later in the day, so lay low in the evening and zone out if you feel like it. Meditation can be very fruitful on a day like today, so take the time out to get quiet and see what comes in as your psychic senses will kind of be... uh, not kind of be, they'll be quite heightened because that's another thing that Pisces allows us to do is get beyond that veil. Um, And if it's time to release something from your life, this is also the perfect time to do so. A letting go can come much easier now uh, than other times in the year because we have the sun conjunct Pluto and then this moon in Pisces conjunct Neptune. So this is definitely a releasing type of energy. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Pisces, and she will make a sextile to Pluto uh, and a sextile to the sun very early on in the day. So we'll probably be feeling that deep into the night of Thursday. But of course, uh, as I just mentioned, this is the day that the sun will make that conjunction to Pluto. And so the sun is our conscious awareness, you know, what gives us vitality, that life force. And most often it is a turning of the page when the sun is involved, because once we're aware of something, (laughs) you know, there kind of is no going back from there. And because this is a conjunction, this is a new cycle. This is where energies merge and they become one to start off a um, uh, a new course of action, a new cycle. And this is a yearly thing that happens. Um, And so what is the sun conjuncting? Well, Pluto. Pluto is a force to be reckoned with. It wants to purify our lives and transform situations that have run their course. Um, And so that can create intense emotions and deep instinctual content that comes up. But it has to because we have to go down that rabbit hole uh, in order to honor what is happening uh, and create the change that is needed. 
So in essence, change is here on a personal and collective level as the sun meets Pluto and Capricorn. Uh, and can you believe this? This is the 11th time since the first conjunction of zero degrees Capricorn back on the winter solstice of 2008. I can't believe it myself. You know, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but it really has. We are a decade in to this energy. So even though this is our yearly merger of our conscious awareness with the purifying and transformative force that is Pluto, this is not our first rodeo with this aspect. Granted, there are different conditions each year, but each time it is happening within the same sign. So look back at the last 11 years and to these yearly powerful renewal points and see if you don't notice a theme. Overall, this week is putting a spotlight on our use of power and how we handle power that is outside of our control. There is likely to be an intensity in the air that is palpable, and that can be worked with in a positive way by releasing what is decayed in our lives and merging with a renewed force. Now, being in Capricorn, it is possible that our goals and ambitions are revised at this time, and new steps are needed in order to reestablish security in this area. It's also quite possible for this to be an active few days on the world sphere, while the leaders of the world embrace their power or show a force that is initiating change. Either way, this can be an intense time, yet a rewarding one if we shine a light on the darkness that lies beneath. So get ready to transform yourself in tangible and practical ways to start this year-long cycle. For next year's conjunction will be most powerful yet. When the sun meets Saturn and Pluto at their conjunction at 22 degrees Capricorn. So you can really consider this a time of foreshadowing for probably some big changes that are going to be uh, made down the road or big achievements. Now, the bottom line for Friday is that we wake up refreshed and inspired as we most likely worked through a lot of things the day prior. It could very much feel like we are on the precipice of a new day dawning, with Friday being that in-between zone. We are emotionally adapting to the changes taking place and developing faith for what lies ahead. So go with the flow today and find compassion for yourself and others. Now, on Saturday, the moon moves into Aries and makes a trine to Venus and a conjunction to Mars. And so there are no exact aspects happening. We got a little planetary pileup happening on Sunday. But for Saturday, the bottom line is, is that we are fired up as Luna is now in the progressive domain of Aries. We feel good about life and are purifying conditions for greater harmony. As the moon conjuncts Mars midday, we are likely to be quite active and ready to take charge of our lives as a new sense of purpose flows through our veins. Pick the low-hanging fruit this weekend so you can feel like you're making progress, while also you know, bucking that potential for impatience because Aries, and especially in a conjunction to Mars, uh, can be very impatient or irritable. So you just kind of want to do what you can do fast and will make you feel like you're moving things along. But overall, we have enthusiasm to get going. So take the advantage of this dynamic start and, you know, get off to the races. Now, Sunday, we have uh, officially our first quarter moon in Aries, uh, and she will make a square to Mercury and Saturn really early on in the day. So we might be feeling that actually on Saturday. A trying to Jupiter and then a square to Pluto and the sun. And of course, that square to the sun is what gives us first quarter moon. Um, So now of note, we have Mercury making a conjunction to Saturn that day, and we also have the official pass of Jupiter 
squaring Neptune. Now, Mercury conjuncts Saturn. Once again, Mercury is our messenger, that information coming in and where we're learning and perceiving uh, from a more hopefully rational and logical perspective, Uh, especially now that Mercury's in Capricorn, there is a more practical bent um, on the way Mercury is processing. And once again, conjunctions, that's a new cycle. We're we're to have new cycles being born this week uh, for a lot of this planetary energy. Um, and then Saturn. Saturn is our our dear friend who helps tighten up the ship and constricts um, and pulls back in order to discipline oneself and look at the long term uh, in order to achieve things. So With these two meeting, the mind is critical and sharp right now as we have serious matters on the brain. We're likely to be, you know, getting down to business. And when these two meet, our minds are able to compartmentalize in a way that allows us to plan out the details of any endeavor that is underway. We can see all the specifics and wrap our heads around what needs to be done while also having the mental discipline to adhere to that structure. Yet there is also the possibility that some sobering news may come in at this time, or serious conversations are needing to take place. We may have to contend with problems that come our way, which can paint a harsher perspective of life in the moment. So try not to go to the dark side, as we will be able to see the flaws in whatever comes our way. Yet if we use this time to organize our headspace in regards to our desired achievements, this influence can help pave the way forward. Now, with Jupiter squaring Neptune, you know, this is these are long-ranging transits. So it takes a while to kind of there might be an event on this particular day, but it's more of a vibe that is, you know, waxing forward and then it will recede a little and we're going to be experiencing it three times this year. And, you know, Jupiter wants us to grow, wants to move us forward. And sometimes in order to move forward, uh, there it's not as easy as it seems, you know, because we always think of Jupiter as this great benefic. And it can, you know, it wants to get us to that place. But a lot of times it has to disrupt things um, in a way to be able to do that. And of course, squares do create a challenge and tension and, and create that action in our lives. Uh, and Neptune, Neptune is a mysterious force in many ways. It can cause confusion or disillusion or loss. It removes all boundaries, um, unlike our friend Saturn who likes to put them up. But it can give us that spiritual inspiration and, you know, that can really heighten our dreams. You know, these are two dream planets getting together. And that could be wonderful if we have big dreams that we need to push forward. And that Mercury conjunction to Saturn will help us, you know, get practical about the steps needed for something that might not so seem so practical from the get-go. Uh, yet this can be a time if we haven't been looking at things too clearly or we've been progressing down an action uh, progressing, you know, forward in a way that is not sustainable. Cause that's the thing with Neptune. It's like sand that just falls from your hands. And that's why it can be really rough transits to go through because you just don't understand why it's not working or why it's not sticking together. And with Mercury conjuncting Saturn this day as well, you know, there, if rough news comes in, it might be around things that were not as clear or we might have been a little uh, delusional uh, as far as that aspect of our lives. These are just possibilities. So if you find yourself there, that, you know, <laughs> that's it. So it can go either way. But, you know, Lisa and I will be talking about Jupiter squaring Neptune a little further in the program here. We also have some of the talk about that uh, 
last week with April, and I've been mentioning uh, different aspects of this transit on a personal and collective sphere for some time now. So maybe just gather all that information and put it together for you. Now, the bottom line for Sunday is, is that we carry on this dynamo energy as we head towards the first quarter moon in Aries. Our minds are sharpening and the plans are coming into place. The Jupiter-Neptune square may have us hopeful enough to take a risk around something, but do your homework first as things may not be all that clear. Yet if you feel strongly and you've checked all your bases, this could be a day to push forward and go for the gusto. You may have to contend with some intense emotions that arise with that square to Pluto, so accept the challenge and push through. It's safe to say that this is likely to be an action-packed weekend. To wrap it all up, you know, uh, we have a change-inducing week as we challenge our minds with the future plan, while also clearing out influences that have run their course and need transmutation. There is a dreamy vibe to the week as inspiration and spirit speak, so take your time and get as clear as possible before taking action. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always seem to add an extra little dimension to all that I summarized previously. And so this week I drew the Page of Cups as the focus and the High Priestess as the grounding. And so with the Page of Focus, the Page of Focus, (laughs) Page of Cups is actually probably not the Page of Focus, to be honest there. Uh, It's a little bit more of a Page of Swords. Um, But uh, with the Page of Cups as our focus, intuition speaks this week as a creative idea or an emotional cue may come to surface in order to bring a much needed message. You know, so open up yourself to receive whatever comes in and then honor the fact that it may take a disciplined approach to bring this nudging into reality. Because that's the thing is the page of cups gets that that emotional cue, cue or that emotional inspiration. But, you know, it just doesn't stop there. You have to do something in order to uh, realize it. And particularly as Jupiter squares Neptune, there will be a dreamy vibe to this week where we are pulling ideas out of the ether, yet we may be doing so with a more idealistic framework. So try to balance the dream with a practical step forward. Also note, it's quite possible we will be feeling a bit sensitive this week, so be sure to extend tenderness and kindness to yourself and others. Now, with the High Priestess as the grounding, this is another indicator that something is coming up from beneath the veil, and we are to follow this intuitive hunch. This is a very intuitive week. We are perceptive and honing in on whatever premonitions arise. And if we focus that message with the Page of Cups, we can bring whatever mystery that lies below the surface, uh, you know, up to our conscious awareness. And so this card, too, has an idealistic influence, yet in a way that can reflect our unconscious dreams back to us. And with her watery nature, there is likely to be an ebb and flow to this week, and it would serve us best to be receptive and float with the current. All right, so last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the deer. This adorable and gentle hoofed creature is reinforcing the tarot message by asking that we move forward on our paths this week by using our instincts to help guide us through. So following the gut is what is needed as more and more clues come in to help direct the potential course of events. It's crucial that we trust in what it is we sense, for if we do not, 
then our most valuable guidance system is not being put to good use, and we may find ourselves lost in the forest. So we don't want that. Particularly if you are in a place of mental anxiety or worry about not knowing what to do. Instead, just drop down to your senses, take a few deep breaths to center yourself, and then your instinctual self will help you find the way through. So I guess what I'm saying here is don't let analysis create paralysis this week. Now, if you would like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And it doesn't matter if you're a seasoned tarot expert or even if you just like to use oracle cards because those work just as well. And so every day, uh, not every day, (laughs) that would be a little bit too much, but every Sunday I release a short video with the custom spread uh, that also highlights a crystal and an inspirational quote to help guide you through the energy of the week. And so last week we worked on manifesting the new with our new moon solar eclipse. Uh, And this week we are going to be working on conscious regeneration. So if you want to find out more and check out a spree, a spreebie, Fred, you'd swear it's Mercury retrograde, right? (laughs) Make Mercury square Mars probably for me. But if you do want to check that out and uh, check out a freebie spread, uh, you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. All right, everyone. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I'm so happy to welcome this week's special guest, Lisa Allen. Thank you much. Thank you much. Thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. Hooray. I'm glad to be back. Yay. So Lisa, if you do recall, if you've listened to previous episodes, she's a fellow San Diegan uh, and also on the board of San Diego Astrological Society, which is a new thing. We welcome her. Uh, April and I talked about it last week, how we uh, serve on for our wonderful organization, and Lisa is a part of that as well. Uh, So before we get started here, Lisa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I'm Lisa Allen, and yes, I'm the corresponding secretary for SanDiegoAstrology.com now. Yay! um, And I've been involved with San Diego Astrology since the like the mid nineties, it's been pretty crazy that now that I'm kind of part of the board, it's like really interesting. Um, I am the founder of timing magic because I have figured out that my uh, expertise, even though I'm also an astrologer and I'm an herbalist and an energy healer, Reiki master, but my main thing is dowsing and especially for timing. So I became this sought after timing expert. I have a book coming out in the winter of like the, the early part of 2020, um, on timing. It's not named yet. Um, Llewellyn is going to be the publisher and I've been an author for them for their annuals for about a decade. And I've, I'm in like about a couple dozen of their annuals. So Mm. Well, I love it, Lisa, and I love how your book on timing is set to be released as we have our Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which is so perfect for a Capricorn like yourself and with the uh, just the issue of time. I think that's fascinating. So it seems Absolutely. Like right Not only is it that, but it's actually, for me, it's my nodal return this, you know, this time because I actually have South Node conjunct my son. Oh, um, in Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be all coinciding at the same time. It's so wild. Yes. Well, that's the universe for you. That's you know, it's it just works. <laughs> it just works. A lot of times we're like, why isn't this on time, or why is it taking this long? Yes. You know, and these are, and, and that's a particularly Capricornian lesson because absolutely, Cap- absolutely. patience. And, and not only that, but I mean, I've been wanting to write this book for about five years. Hasn't been time, right? Yeah. Another thing is, is that I am finding also that like with spiritual types like ourselves, um, the nature of time is actually changing for us. So Mm -hmm. that was probably another reason that it was delayed because had I written it for the, it would not have been applicable for the next phase of time that we're actually going to be going into. And I Mm -hmm. think that that conjunction with Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, and also the nodes happening around that, that place yeah. is, is going to be conducive of all of that. Yeah. The right time. That's the right time. Yeah. You know, what's funny, Lisa, is right before um, we got on this call, I was uh, riding my scooter. I had to go do a couple errands and I uh, saw an RV that was parked in, um, in the park because I always do a little park lap to get some you know, nature time. Yeah. And so I saw on the back of this RV, it said, the free have no time. And I was, <laughs> and I was like, "How Jupiter meets Saturn is that when uh, you wow. know, Sagittarius is like, you know, freedom? You know, what's this concept of time? They don't put me in constraints." Yet, it it was funny because I've had uh, things recently come up where I realize I don't have any time, and it's not because I have freedom and I'm doing whatever I want. It's just that my time needs to be reallocated. And so I thought that was such yeah. a funny ironic little thing to come across, how the free have no time. <laughs> it's true. It, that's so true um, because things fill it up and, and it's just like that for Sagittarius for things just to come in, you know, yeah. like opportunities. I mean, it's, but like the problem, okay, is too many opportunities. So you just get, you can get decision paralysis. Mm. You can, um, you know, lots of things can happen. So yeah, like we, we all crave freedom, I think, but I think that we want freedom on our own terms. And it really does take the art of saying no in order to like actually have the true freedom. Yes. And that is something this Virgo North Node is learning every day. <laughs> <laughs> No, just say no. I know, I know, I know. It should be my motto. Oh well, you know, you you learn. That's there's another quote for you. Oh well, what are we talking about this week? Well, I might be jumping the gun just a little, but I thought you know, since Saturday or Sunday, this coming Sunday, we have the sun is moving into Aquarius, and Capricorn season is already wrapping up, um, and we are in this between this eclipse zone where we're experiencing the Capricorn new moon. We're about to have a Leo total eclipse to finish out that, um, that particular eclipse cycle, nodal cycle. And so we're kind of the topic of Aquarius season, uh, loosely going on here. And I titled it dreaming the future because Hmm. Aquarius is, you know, is very futuristic in its, uh, concerns, especially with society. And we'll talk about just this nature of the sign, but there's also this Jupiter Neptune square that is happening. That is putting this dreamy vibe on everything right now and putting these bigger picture views that are not necessarily clear, uh, there as well. So it just fit well 
to me, but that's what we're going to talk about. So, I mean, Lisa, what do you think? What do you think about the shift from Capricorn to Aquarius anyways, just in general as signs? Okay. Well, I have lots of opinions. Let me me explain (laughs) where they come from. So I have four placements in Capricorn, Sun, South Node, Mercury retrograde, and Mars. And I have Natal, Venus, and Saturn in Aquarius. Mm. Okay. So I think I can speak about this. Yes. Yes. I notice that I do have like this kind of balance between the traditional, like the way it's always been done because the Capricorn part of me likes things that work. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but I also am always wanting to improve things. So that's where, that's where the um, Aquarius energy comes in. Cause you know, the, the old way is good, but you know, Hey, I'm all about like, the new way if it's better. Okay. But it has to work still. The Capricorn part of me still wants it to work, but the Aquarius part of me is always looking for a better way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because so, Aquarius wants improvement, right? You know, yes, like they do. Yeah. What's really interesting is that I have a lot of Aquarius friends having Venus and Aquarius. You're going to have a lot of Aquarius friends. And so I contrast a lot with what I learned from my Aquarius friends. And I, I love the fact that they have ideas that are even well beyond what I can imagine. Like they have like this, you know, 50 years in the future foresight. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they can't like remember three hours ahead that they have an appointment, you know, or something like that. So it, it is this mindset of just totally being in the future. But One of the things that we also forget about Aquarius is that in traditional astrology, it's still ruled by Saturn Mm -hmm. and it's got to still work. And one of the things that I've noticed about Aquarius when they are stressed is that they go into a survival mode a lot heavier than even Capricorns do because... They'll, they'll do stuff that is like, oh no, like my, everything is falling apart and they're going to do, they're like, they're going to be in that place. Like, and you don't think about it. Like you think about Scorpios, you know, or Virgos or Capricorns, like having to fix everything when things go south. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Aquarius does it too. They just are not like really open to it. They're not really like talking about it. Like they keep, talking about the future, right? Yeah. But when things go ho- go haywire, they're really, they go into crisis mode. And it's, it's very interesting um, to witness that. So mm. I, that makes- I think that applies because we have Saturn in Capricorn for a little while longer. So, yes. And that's important because, uh, yeah. you know, Saturn, Capricorn season is extra this year because of Saturn in Capricorn. And of course, yeah. Pluto, because it's been there, but it also is going to affect uh, Aquarius season as well, being that ruler. And I think you're absolutely right because Aquarius, you know, essentially, and why it has that desire to fix, which is actually kind of funny when you think about it, because it is a fixed sign. And, you know, usually fixed kind of stabilizes something, but I think Aquarius is one of those uh, special uh, cases, especially being an air sign, where it does want to literally fix things. And it wants to do that through uh, reforming and augmenting uh, whatever it is that they discover that's not working. (laughs) 
Yeah, the part that stays fixed in an Aquarius is their mental like focus and their vision 50 years from the future. Yes. Like into the future. Yes. That's that the is. part that's fixed. <laughs> you cannot change their mind like once they're in that <sighs> place. I know. So well, that's where mm. it comes in. They also, because it's opposite Leo, Leo, you know, wants that that validation. Um, it's almost like Aquarius wants the anti-validation. In other words, they still get attention, but for, for like antagonizing or challenging, you know, instead of like being liked and loved, like how, what a Leo usually likes, you know? So I think that that's pretty funny too. Yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's funny because Yes, they do have that. They can have that rebellious uh, <laughs> type of energy, especially when they see something that's not working and needs to be reformed uh, or they're just because they have a utopian ideal. And that's where Aquarius can go off the, the rails sometimes because depending on if they don't have that dose of Capricorn or Saturn that can really, you know, ground the ideas into practice practicality, you know, you, you can't have the Aquarius that is, has this wonderful vision, but it's just not real. You know, there is that. Um, and like you were saying too, that fixed nature, uh, Aquarius is, it can be known for being quite extreme because of that, because of that fixed nature. Like it can polarize to being extremely for the people and like going out and being, you know, going to extremes on kind of a rebellious side, but it can also be very extreme with sticking to, uh, the group or what is, or what's already been established there too. Sure. Once, once like that, that gets going. Yeah. The, their idea doesn't shift, uh, into, yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. yeah. It just so depends on the Aquarius. The other, the other <laughs> thing about Aquarius is that, um, you know, the, the caution there is that, yes, they have this amazing vision, but they have the ability, I think because of their visionary capability, mm-hmm. they have an ability that is useful sometimes and not useful at other times. And that is to disconnect from the emotion so that they don't, they're not really present for, you know, like things that like other people are present for, like they're, they're already like 50 years in the future. Yeah. And so what'll happen is that people will, may feel that they're not being heard or listened to or things like that. Because if, you know, I think that the Aquarius person that has the energies, like they probably don't even know that they just cut it, disconnect, you know, and, and can just be like, you know, what was that? Like where a Scorpio, like if they get stressed out, they have very much feeling involved and they can, they cut it off, but they feel every minute of it and they never forget. Okay. A Scorpio like will, you know, remember that they cut that person off and why they cut them off and everything. The, an Aquarius can do that and, and then just completely forget. And then it'll be like, you know, who was that person again? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And, well. and that, that is like, you know, and then you wonder like when things are not addressed on the emotional level that are not like thoroughly processed because like cutting it off is not processing it. It'll turn up in their body. And so I've had a lot of Aquariuses in like my, field of, you know, where work or friends or what have you, where they have health problems that were caused by their ability to cut off the emotion. And Mm. a couple of my friends had like anger issues 
and they got their gallbladder removed. And this, this all happened with Saturn and Sagittarius, which Sagittarius and, you know, like the Jupiter is the ruler, it rules the liver and, and the gallbladder is ruled by Saturn. So when it was in Sagittarius, like they ended up with gallbladder surgery. And I Mm. thought that that was very interesting. Yeah. Well, and I I would be willing to bet that maybe some people that have uh, squares, depending on the planets, between Scorpio and Aquarius are probably the ones that maybe wrestle with that challenge a little bit more. Um, Because you you got the feeling faculty, but all the, the other side, you know, what depending on what planets are involved there or, or sensitive That's points. That's true. Actually, know? I was thinking, you know what? You may be right because that age group, they did have like the Uranus and Scorpio, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Well, I have yeah. Uranus and Scorpio. So unless yeah. they're my age. Yeah. Or, or people like a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, some of them were in the 80s, you know? Yeah, so. that would still, mm-hmm. um, I think yeah. around like 82, uh, yeah. things moved into Sag. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it, it's... That, that those two things together, when you have that extreme feeling, like you're saying, and then you have that other side, that state of awareness that is like, no, let's just detach and just compartmentalize yeah. it somewhere in past experience. Right. <laughs> and move on. Well, and the, and, the, and the gallbladder is, I guess, I could see where that would be a default place for the energy to go, like where that would be the weakest link because Saturn mm-hmm. rules the gallbladder and Saturn is the weak planet in this case, wherein, you know, it's, it's our strength and weakness where like as a Capricorn, I can tell you when Saturn is in a weak sign, I can feel it. Okay. So I'm thinking that Aquarius is probably have the same ability. Mm. Well, and that's a nice segue, Lisa, to talk about kind of weak sign because the sun in Aquarius is known as the placement of its detriment. And I find it very interesting uh, because as far as like the constellation of Aquarius in general, it's actually one of the hardest to see in the night sky because it's like the faintest. Um, and they recommend to look at it, uh, when there's like a no moon. So I guess this solar eclipse would be a wonderful time. To go to, well, not really because right. you can't see it unless you're I in, was going to say that uh, would be like, you'd, you'd have to look in August, I believe. Right. <laughs> so a little, right. not a yeah, time, wrong for time of year. Yeah. Wrong time of year. But it got me to thinking, uh, just about the nature of, um, not being able to see that or be seen too, because detriment, especially for the sun here, because if the sun is in its uh, in its domicile in Leo, and that you know that kingly energy, um, yeah, it's it's almost like it's almost like we can't really quite always see so clearly. Well, what was I? I had a point here. I had a point where I was going (laughs) with this, but it made me think, number one, uh, being in detriment, the sun in Aquarius, um, because detriment is essentially going to bring some type of change when it comes about. And that's, that is why there is a weakness there because it can't uphold that position. Um, and so the sun, you know, the sun is the king. That's the the leader of the people and everybody that's leading people. And so we're going to see some changes and, uh, turns of the wheel in that regard. And I think we're already seeing it with, um, you know, the house just changed hands to Nancy Pelosi again. All these women are being uh, yeah. uh, brought into, um, you know, our court systems. And we're seeing a lot of change in our, you know, yeah. that structural societal uh, realm. Um, 
So anyways, that was a long-winded thing. That, but- was, that was awesome. <laughs> and actually, any planet in detriment is usually mentally stressful. Any planet in fall is usually physically stressful. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I learned when I was doing, you know, traditional rulership and stuff like where, you know, when they're in domicile, you know, it's ruler, but an exalt, exaltation is like when they're an honored guest. Yes. But when they're in detriment, it's mentally stressful. So the fact that like that just says that everybody that's a sun sign Aquarius, like usually deals with some kind of mental stress. Mm. And I guess what, you know, that's a great point. And that's the true point. Uh, And I I guess what I was, and I guess what I was going around with the idea of not being able to see the constellation well was because, um, you know, like you were saying earlier, Aquarius can actually kind of shun from the light and can be more comfortable in the group. And maybe like, it's not all about me. It's about making this better and being part of something rather than, you know, I did this because I'm me, you know? And I think that had something to, in my mind, that had something to do with just the, even the inability to see the light of that constellation from our own eyes. It kind of plays. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. That's very, that's very interesting. Um, the identity, like, you know, with the sun and having it in Aquarius might mean like, it might not mean an unidentity, but it could mean an anti-identity, which might be why the antagonizing could happen. Like, it's like, well, if I can't get noticed for the good things, like I eat Leo, like I'll be the bad potato chip. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good way of looking at it. Because that's, that's true because that is part of it. That is part of the, yeah. the Aquarian nature. Yeah. Um, and, but they're supposed to like, they're supposed to mess with the status quo though. I think that's their job. I think that, that they do a good job of it usually. Yeah. Uh, yes, because you know, if it's something's no longer working, who's going to call that out? That's what we need yeah. our Aquarius for. <laughs> that's, right. that's 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 right. They're like, look at yeah. this. How do you not? You know, because they're, they're water. Brilliant. They're brilliant. Well, and that's they the have thing. that 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 ridiculous foresight of fifty years in the future. I mean, that most people are not aligned with. Like they barely, you know, get out of bed every day and go to work or whatever. Like they yeah. don't have that same kind of vision that a lot of Aquariuses do. And I know that a lot of Aquariuses in my life are very, very creative people. And they are like, they're like Gemini, like they have this kind of mastery, like of lots of different things. Like Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and you know, because if we think about just Aquarius in general and it being, you know, its constellation or its, um, its uh, depiction is the water bearer. And essentially yeah. it's that urn. It's the, yeah. that urn of consciousness because it's not water. Because people get that confused. They're like, is yes. Aquarius a water sign? Well, you know, on all surface levels, I would <laughs> When they pour all the water out. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you come to that conclusion. However, it is, it's the water of consciousness that is coming down. And that is yeah. why they can understand these more evolutionary type of things. So that's the thing is Aquarius wants to evolve us in some way. Um, And that's what we end up doing by realizing what's not working or what has to be improved or raised higher or upgraded in some way. And that usually involves some type of change, but mostly change in viewpoint, because that's the thing. We're coming back to that air quality. So how do we change our minds to like have a more stable situation through that, you know, 
the evolution of, you know, your own intellect, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's, I mean, what do you, do you have any feels for this Aquarius season in general? Do you, do you have any Aquarian visions coming through? (laughs) I I know. Right. So I do have something to say about the upcoming full moon eclipse that happens to be in Leo and that it is the last one that is in Leo. Yeah. Like until another 20, 20 years, you know, like, or whatever the cycle is. Right? Long time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's about 20 years, 19, 20 years. Okay. Be, yeah, about 19 so we get there. It, yeah. it feels to me like it is the last opportunity to really clear up our identity issues because of like that zero Leo placement. Mm. And the Aquarius is the balance, you know, between the two as we get ready to go into like the full series of Capricorn Cancer, which is more, you know, ancestral, family-oriented, you know, I've already, um, it's interesting, I've already had two Cancer people that had Aquarius Risings Mm. (laughs) find family tree stuff that they didn't know about before. Ah, well, that's hilarious, Lisa, because I'm literally waiting on, like, I'm like a couple of days away from my DNA, uh results to come back in <laughs> because I have, you know, I am a cancer and I have a, I have a IC, my fourth house is Aquarius. Um, and so wow. I'm really looking forward to oh it. Oh my gosh. My, my aunt's already done her DNA, but of course that's only one side of my family. So I was like, I, you know, it's probably going to be super European. Yes. I see yeah, that. Oh, sure. You never know. Yeah. There might be some type of surprise in there. So I'm lining up with just what you're saying, Lisa. Wow. Yeah. So I'm wow. excited. I can't wait. Who knows? Cool. Who am I? That's the Yeah, there, theirs was not done through DNA. It was actually through discoveries of family stories. Or, oh, cool. Um, one of my the the one of the cancers with Aquarius rising. Um, happens to also do that kind of for a living. She's like document archivist, mm-hmm. um, genealogy, like that's her specialty. Like she knows, and she knows how to like even research buildings and like, you know, what, what was this 1870 building in the 1950s? Like what businesses were in there? And she'll, you know, she could find that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's remarkable. Well, I'm, I'm excited personally. And I think we can cool. all learn a lot from our, our ancestral realm. And that actually might be a lot of what happens during this uh, nodal access being Cancer and Capricorn, you know, knowing where you come yeah. from. And that's the thing too yeah. with Aquarius, because when we talk about Aquarius improving things and, um, you know, and it being ruled by Saturn, it does want to improve, but it also wants to improve off of what's already been established and working. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. there's, there is that part of kind of knowing where you come from and honoring, you know, what's good within that um, and kind of holding on and building from that. Because we're, a lot of times we talk about ancestral karma and we're trying to get away from like our ancestries yeah. and what, but a lot of times we bring in great gifts that are like passed down. And we our, just didn't, yeah, we didn't see them for what they were. And then once you know, like, oh, you know, I, when I did, um, some genealogy on my dad's side once I learned about his Irish heritage. And interestingly, I'm going to be a dual citizen, hopefully. Yes. Very cool. Um, So I want to do more genealogy on that side of the family, but I found out that the surname Capper had to do with Capper. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. Yeah. (laughs) Capricorn. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Oh no, I saw that resonance too. Um, my dad was a Leo too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, his dad was a first generation double Irish parent. Um, you know, ancestor. Um, but the last name I found out was um, a variation of French, like that was you know a, I guess you know, anglicized or what have you because of the language that now is in Ireland is English mostly and, and Irish Gaelic they're bringing back, but that it ha- it was a variation and it had to do with making hats. And here I was, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I was crocheting hats for a living. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow, like really? Yeah. So you, like, you think you're an individual and, you know, and then you find out something like that and you're like, oh, no, it's right in the blood. It's right in the blood. It's true. You know, I have a somewhat similar story with a crazy grandma on my, on my dad's side, which this woman was, this is a crazy story really, because she had, none of our family really knew her at all because she had, um, there were like message boards on like ancestry.com looking for this woman because she had had like, 10 children and raise none of them, basically. Wow. <laughs> she would have children and then just be like, she'd be like that free spirit. She's like, free, <laughs> have no time for you children. Uh, but, but it's so funny because I actually, they found her right before she passed and I actually got to talk to her a couple times. And it turns out that she was a psychic gypsy traveling woman who like was all into all the stuff that I'm into. She was also a dancer and all that. And so I... Once she passed and I started doing some um, uh, Ancestry.com stuff, I was actually able to come across her birth certificate, which is like an astrologer's dream, you know, to come across the time. And so I was born with the Uranus exactly conjunct my ascendant. Guess who was also born with Uranus exactly conjunct the ascendant? Yeah, in wow. Aries, a little different than Remarkable. Scorpio, but still Mars ruled. And um, wow, and it's, and you that's decided not to have any kids so that it would, you know, I you know that's have your freedom because I don't, I don't see you being a Cancer and being able to do that. Like exactly, that just wouldn't work so well. Yeah, she was interested. Aries rising, um, which is also Mars driven, like my Scorpio. So that's an interesting piece. But she's a Virgo, so that's. Oh. That's interesting, but she had that Pisces moon. So um, mm. yeah, she she interesting woman to say the least. But that's the thing is like sometimes you have people come back like none of us even knew what you know much about her where she was, and all of a sudden it's like bam, it's like there oh it wow, <laughs> okay, well some things are making sense here. Um, yeah, so that sure. part's cool. That part's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but you know what you were able to do, Mel, was to take the gifts of her sight, et cetera, and, and transmute that into like better choices because you don't have a, a personality that I believe that would abandon like with the responsibility having moon and Capricorn. I just don't see you doing that. Like, (laughs) so you, you did something else with the energy and, and, uh, and thereby I feel like, cause one of the things about Saturn is karma. Okay. Mm. Like you would, I mean, that is karma that she, that your grandma did. Yeah. You know, that is karmic and there is a price to be paid when you like bring, you know, children into the world and, <laughs> and then say, see you later. I, you know, 
Yeah. Like, well, there, which, there is a responsibility there. And you know what's interesting to that piece, Lisa, is that actually my Saturn, which is conjunct my North Node, exactly, happens to also be conjunct her son in Virgo. <laughs> so there's almost oh, like a, an interesting, like uh, a, wow, another little piece to that. Yeah. That I never thought about until you made that comment. So that's something that's, that's interesting. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, no, you were totally, uh, and Saturn North Node, North Node being like the direction that you're drawn into, mm-hmm. right? Versus South Node, the, the direction that you have strength in, but that you're kind of moving away from. Yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense to me. Wow. Um, yeah. That's amazing. I'll have to look, I'll have to get in there a little bit more. Wow. <laughs> Definitely. Remarkable. But so anyways, don't want to stray too much from our Aquarian conversation here before we kind of roll on <laughs> to some of the other things that are going on. Um, but I did want to say before we wrap up kind of Aquarius uh, energy um, is that Aquarius has everything to do with this, this kind of thing that we're doing right now. You know, sending things through the airwaves, uh, like messages um, being broadcast and uh, new technology coming out, uh, television stuff, all anything that is like communicating to a broad scope of people, like the collective. Um, I, I think I'm hoping that there's going to be some cool things that come about this season in that department. You know, a little fun stuff because I'm a tech geek. Yeah, um, definitely. I think so. And and I would even say like for Aquarius being the broadcast and, you know, all of that type mm-hmm. of energy and the communication, like astrology is ruled by Aquarius on some level. Yeah. And I would even say that um, computers and like all the technology has like a resonance of the future and it's only going to get more and more yes. mechanized. I mean, I don't see like how this is all going to go away. I mean, well, no. And I think that's actually part of, uh, you know, this term has been thrown around for quite some time, but you know, the age of Aquarius, like, uh, yeah, is, we are seeing it within these technological like, advancements. Um, and you know, the world moving to having to deal with issues such as AI, yeah. like this is coming. Well, I think that here. the next step for Aquarius is actually the just straight up telepathy. Like yeah, one day we're not even going to need the machines. And I mean, I guess that that's kind of more Pisces in a way, but um, we're still, I mean, in my opinion, from what I've read, um, that we're still kind of in the Piscean age for like a while longer. But it is interesting that we have all of this technology, you know, coming in and um, really, you know, resonating with the, like, you know, it talks about how, um, the signs like when it when it halfway when it's halfway through it flips to the other side, which is mm-hmm. ruled by Virgo, okay, with with Piscean age, and Virgo's ruled by Mercury, which you know is a octave like with Aquarius energy. Like there's, I could see where we still have all of this stuff coming in now, and then as we get ready for the Aquarian age, I think it's going to be a very interesting shift because I see people in the Piscean age being very swayed by lies and, and like their belief systems. I think when Aquarius age comes, like they're going to know, like they're going to be able to see right through it and like say, Oh no, no, that's not what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to sharpen that. Uh, that's what that- I'm talking about because I haven't noticed that yet. I have, 
I thought with the internet and having massive, um, you know, kind of ability to find things and, and like just, you know, my Aquarius, you know, my own Aquarius placements are like, oh, exciting. I can read everything. I, I don't have to, you know, dig and do all of this stuff anymore like I did in the 80s. But then I've noticed how everything got dumbed down. Mm. And that was so disheartening to me. I don't think that's going to happen in the Aquarian age. I think people are going to be like on top of it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a, it's a long time. It's a, it's a ways <laughs> it's away, a, but it's okay. Or it's not even like it's a ways away because I think we're straddling that thing. But yeah. the, the age itself, the age is a very long period of time. Sure, That sure. will take a long... And that's what's so interesting about the times we live in, really, because we have kind of two feet in in one foot in each realm. Yes, um, yes. But it's, it's going backwards, which is always interesting with the ages, too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where here we are it's talking about planets... Spin. Yeah. yeah. Here we are talking about planets going forward, which is good key to remember here because if we are thinking about like more of a linear type of perspective as uh, as far as symbolism is concerned yeah. and we keep talking about the desire to improve and you know maybe uh, we're probably going to see some more revolu- revolution type of stuff going on during this uh I would say that that's also right. Yes. We're going to see, you know, we're going to see rebellion around areas that have issues where it's no longer working for the people and it's time to evolve the situation. And that's where Pisces comes in because here, that's the thing with Aquarius is like Pisces, we have to do the work in Aquarius and address the issues in Aquarius in order to transcend in Pisces. Because that is that transitional, mutable, you know, the end yeah. of the zodiac thing. Uh, but we can't really raise higher in that like really ideal of Pisces until we kind of get down to the, the nitty gritty in, in Aquarius, I think. And so I think this month's yeah. going to be rather active because yeah. of that. <laughs> I, And I think that it's interesting besides the ages going in reverse, so do the nodes, which, yeah. you know, so we we have to go to Pisces to Aquarius from, you know, and then right now we're going from the Leo Aquarius that we just were in into the Cancer Capricorn. So like, it's kind of the opposite way that we, you know, we think about, but we were doing so much of that identity and who am I during mm-hmm. the Leo time. And then it's going to, it's going to go into Cancer Capricorn being like, like the, you know, where do I come from? Yeah, what is my progeny? You know, it's going to be a little bit of a different shift. Yeah. And what do I need? I think that's the thing too. It's like, we've gotten so in line with our, you know, who am I? What's, what's my creative impulse? What does the heart say? And then now it's like, okay, well, if I've determined what this is, (laughs) what do I now need in order to to really nurture the self within this situation? So it'll be a delicate balance for sure. Um, But Let's okay. So also of note this week, and I think it's so funny because last time Lisa was on, we we got into Pluto because we both are Plutonian personalities. We can talk about good old Pluto. Um, and this week we have the Sun making its annual conjunction to Pluto, which I had noted earlier in the podcast that this is the eleventh conjunction in Capricorn. Wow. Yeah. So sounds about right. Yeah. This is no. It's, this is. No new deal here necessarily. No. I mean, it is, but it's yeah. it's interesting to think that it's been that long. So yeah. uh, you have any takes on uh, the sun meeting Pluto just in general and maybe a Capricorn vibe around that? Yeah, well, I guess going through it seven times and then having it being that 
I am a Capricorn. Um, so I have experienced that pretty literally, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the Every time that the sun, like to me, I, I always feel like that the sun is like, I mean, it's the center, right, of, the, of our solar system. And it's a heat place. Um, Pluto is the planet of fire that purifies. So it com- to me, it kind of is like purifying, you know, every time the sun comes around, it purifies mm. something. And it's in, and for the last 11 years, it's been of a Capricorn nature. And then when you happen to also have a lot of Capricorn placements that are personal planets, it hurts. Yeah. You know? It hurts. It can, yes. You know, like, oh, time to go in the fire again to purify. I mean, we're we're all getting alchemized in wherever the Capricorn area of our chart is. And so for Capricorn, you know, sun signs, it's our it's our very identity. It's who we are. And yeah. it keeps going around. For people with moon, it's how you feel and all of those things. I, I think it's even harder probably for moon and Capricorn people. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because, and I mean, I've learned this through my own Pluto transits. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I really got to understand not only the moon in Capricorn, but also the idea of the moon and its detriment and, and what a yeah. transit like Pluto and an upcoming transit for me with Saturn, who's about to be in that same exact place. Um, it also reinforces that, you know, that, that, that changing of what is for, yeah. for you emotionally, uh, relationships with women. Cause that's the thing is the moon definitely oh. deals with, you know, who you're connecting with, um, on, you know, it purifies it. Oh yeah. Yes. And it would be like, okay, like you're in, you're out. And that, that probably was stressful. I could, yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's all centered around your you essentially the goals and ambitions you have for yourself because we're talking about Capricorn. You know, we're working on something here, and we're yeah. we've got a plan, and you're disrupting my plan. Um, is <laughs> basically what happens. Oh, but, but you know, it brought great changes my way because you know, a planet in detriment getting hit by any planet is essentially going to bring some changing conditions, and that's why it is in detriment because it can't hold its spot. Um, and that's okay yeah. though, because it needs that turn and Pluto, yeah. which adds the change, you know, like you were just saying, yeah. so it's a double dose of that. Um, yeah, but definitely, yeah, but you know, it has its plus sides, right? Because it, if does. We, it does. And one of the things that I was mentioning, the detriment planets mentally stressful. So yeah. I would imagine that you were going through more in your inner world in a way than even the outer world was showing. Oh, absolutely. Like, my absolutely. gosh. Well, and I mean, Capricorn moons just in general are not as necessarily emotive, <laughs> you know, uh, are no, willing to show no. that vulnerability. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, it it definitely works as for what you're saying, but it also works for the function of that particular planet and that sign. It sure. is more of an internal thing that goes on there, but you're absolutely yeah. right. It was very much an inside job that was taking place. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pluto's really good at that stuff, but I would say that for other placements, it, it shows more in the outer, you know, like if it's sun, you know, it, it shows up in an outer event that literally floors you. Yeah. Um, I would say that with the moon, it, it's an inner event. And when it's an inner event, nobody sees or nobody understands. So like for me, when, this, when it went across my son, I lost my husband. A lot of people could like really relate with that and say, oh my gosh, you know, like you're going through this 
thing with your loss of husband. But with, you know, when it's internal, like people don't understand. And, And I think that that could be pretty isolating and it's, that's hard for a moon. Well, yes, absolutely. You know, (laughs) you don't know the trouble I've seen. (laughs) Uh, But but that's the thing too, is it's it's hard for the moon. um, But that's the nature of detriment once again, too, because in, you know, ancient texts, they would uh, align that with um, exile. And essentially what happens is that it's almost like you exile yourself emotionally. And that's, that's why it can become isolating and you pull back yeah. because that's the only way you kind of know how to deal with it. And you can't yeah. stay there forever, of course, but there is something to be said about that moment in time that is very necessary and a blessing because it, it, it's, yes, there's change, but yeah. it's always leading you somewhere. And we got to remember that even like in the darkest of times, um, it's, a, you know, it's a test of your metal and depending on what planet is being tested. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the moon being mother. Okay. My yeah. daughter has moon and Capricorn really early degrees. So she actually got her moon hit like back in like 2000 you know, eight, nine, kind of through there. Mm, mm-hmm. She was like a junior, senior in high school. Really rebellious time, right? Yeah. we had always been close. And I remember our relationship was so challenged for that two years where she thought that I was her enemy and like going through her things and not, you know, really being secretive. Like she was, you know, really thinking that, you know, something was up with me and I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Like we've never had this problem before. And, and I'm sure that she was just coping with part of it, becoming an adult on her own, you Mm. know, like, and I've always tried to, you know, encourage that. I I was never as a Capricorn parent. I don't, and you know, I'm not the one that like hangs on to the kids. I'm like, yes, be adults. This is awesome. Right. Yeah. You're like, move along. Move along. Yeah. (laughs) I love it now. You know, it's great having kids that are adults. It's awesome. Um, so I remember her going through that time where she was like, not trusting me and, and telling me things that, you know, like, mom, you, you made me feel unwelcome for this and that and the other. And I'm, and, and I would like, I had to think about it. Like, what did I say? And all of this type of stuff. And then I was realizing, no, this isn't me. And I had to like, go confront her about that. And then I did her chart after and realized, oh my yeah. God, she's Pluto on her moon. My God, no wonder, you know, I mean, I'm probably like the deadliest enemy right now. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so it's, but it, but it got us stronger because what we did was we like, you know, we talked about like, you know, well, Chrissy, I didn't really say anything that was really like how you're feeling. So, you know, maybe something else is happening. So what it did was it actually, again, it purified our relationship. So from her chart's point of view, she was purifying, she was testing me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's really what was happening. She was testing my mettle as a mother. Yeah. And it and I passed. I mean, we're still on fantastic terms. In fact, it's probably even better 
Well, and that's the thing. That's, it's almost yeah. like, you, and that's, that's the nature of detriment that yeah. I'm really learning here is that the only detriment is the fact that something has to change and be repositioned so that yes. it can function in a, in a better way. Um, because it just can't necessarily hold its own, uh, with the circumstance. So I think that's a great example. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful example of how that how those energies can work together. Um, yeah. But, you know, here we have the sun. So it's a little bit of a different thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also interesting, you know, having a sun Pluto this week because, you know, sun brings us our conscious awareness. We're yeah. aware of what needs to change. More father energies <laughs> happening when yeah. it's sun Pluto conjunct. And even in Capricorn, there's kind of a fathery kind of energy. So um, I actually know about three people that their father passed away. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like the, it's dark moon time right now as of this recording. <laughs> so yes. I mean, it's a time that you know, and it's getting to the eclipses, which I have always viewed eclipses also as gateways of soul agree. Yeah. going and coming. So you know, they probably said, "Hey, this is a good opportunity to get out of this place." Yeah, so there's but but father tends to be like the sun, Pluto you know, where moon Pluto is like probably more mom type stuff. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because we do see people, uh, yeah. you know, jump and ship at, on eclipse times, just yeah, in general. And then we yeah, have we the sun meeting Saturn and then Pluto, you know, yeah. it's, it's happening in between yeah. the two. So it's, yeah, it's definitely conditions for that. Um, and it's interesting yeah. because we're like, okay, we're here in this moment, but what about the next moment? Because next year when we have this, <laughs> When the sun meets Pluto next year, it'll be meeting Pluto and Saturn at 22 degrees. Exactly. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Um, And Jupiter too, right? Like at at some point, Jupiter, Pluto, Jupiter, yeah, Jupiter will get in there, but uh, won't have its conjunction with Saturn uh, until the end of the year. And that will be zero degrees Aquarius. Right, right. Okay. I was counting ahead. (laughs) But you know, it's going to be in there. It's there. There'll yeah. be a party. There'll be a Capricorn different, party. different kind of party. And you, you all are invited. <laughs> you are all invited, and it's a mandatory <laughs> attendance. So indeed, yeah, because with Pluto there, you have to let go of something. Yes, definitely. And we could totally be letting go of things this week, and that's kind of where we're yes. going with this. Yes. Is that if you find yourself in that place, know that it's kind of par for the course in this moment, um, especially around just kind of like you were saying, Lisa, that father energy. Because sometimes the father energy is just what we need to have in order to kind of take authority of our own lives. We have to be our yes. own kind of father. Yes. And Saturn represents authority. And I know that we're going to be talking about Saturn's placement here in a moment. Yes. But, well, but, it's perfect. But in Capricorn, you know, it's already defaulting to Saturn, you know, just from this particular thing. So um, I would say that it's a fantastic part of like how to uh, drop the outer authority, especially if your father was disappointing in some way. Okay. Either absent or, um, you know, just not like in the idea of how you would find a, an authority figure like acting. Okay. Yeah. So there's this balance of, you know, earning your authority, which I think that's a, that's a Capricorn thing. You know, it's, it, it wasn't like, 
I claim authority, but then they didn't have any experience with the authority, you know? So, yeah. so earning authority, I think, has a lot to do with this. And so I think that it could be time to earn our inner authority and say thank you to the outer authority, you know, even if it was a bad example. But like now you can be the authority of you. Mm. And you can you can father your inner child, if you will. You know, it, it would be a really good time for that right now. Yeah, and especially because we're going to, real quick, we'll just talk about uh, Mercury conjuncting Saturn this week. Because, yes. you know, we have to, a lot of times we just have to get our mind on board of what needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Details. Yes. Details, yeah. Details. Um, and I yeah. think that this is the week for them, you know. Um, yes. The, we're, we're meeting, the intellect is meeting that Saturnian force. Um, yeah. And any conjunction, you know, we're essentially starting a, a new cycle, a fresh cycle. So I consider that an opportunity, um, even if it does, you know, pit us against an issue that yeah. we must address. Yeah, I know Mercury likes to go fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Saturn is very not fast. Yes. So um, it, it, I would say Mercury could feel constrained here and especially in Capricorn where Saturn is so strong. But the good news about that is you can focus that energy mentally because of the Mercury and communicate and do so succinctly, do so without wasted effort. Like if you, if you can really capture the, the good part of that energy, you can turn that around and make it like really awesome. I myself having Mercury and Capricorn retrograde, so I already have this kind of feeling, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's actually a good time for me to focus for writing the, the, the rest of the book that I'm working on. So that's how I'm going to be using that energy. Mm, yeah, because mm -hmm. that's that's the thing. Is that, I need that, focus for that. And the book focus. is on timing, really. Yes. It's really, it's, it's a, it's a well-timed moment for you, Lisa. <laughs> um, and, and it can be for us all because it does, like she's saying, you know, it allows us to look at those details, allows us to get a plan, an overview, or like a, a not a, too much of an overview is we already kind of got the overview, but now it's like, okay, what are the pieces? What are the parts? What is the structure looking like? How do I architect this whole thing? And that's where Capricorn does have that. That's Yeah, we'll be talking about the visioning in a minute with Jupiter Neptune. Well, let's talk about that now. <laughs> So that we don't run for hours and hours here. Uh, so let's. The last thing we're going to talk about here is the fact that Jupiter is meeting Neptune in the square. This is the first pass that is happening uh, this week, which is happening on a first quarter moon in Aries. Uh, wow! We have, yeah, yeah we, <laughs> we have yeah the first with, quarter with Mars in Aries. Aries too. Mm. Mars in Aries. We have Mercury conjunct Saturn that day. Um, and the sun is moving into Aquarius that day as well. So a Sunday is, is I mean, the day itself is probably going to be interesting, but there is a meeting point that is happening. Yeah, at the with, end. with that full moon eclipse at zero Leo. Yeah, like the whole yeah. thing going on. Wow. So now, Lisa, what are, what are your thoughts on Jupiter squaring Neptune? Well... I do have some thoughts on I know that. her face because, just lit up. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I don't know how many times that there usually is, like when there's Jupiter-Neptune square, you always look at the signs involved. Mm -hmm. Interesting here that in modern rulership, they're both in rulership. Yes. So they're both really strong. I mean, I'm just thinking about how... Like the Jupiter in Sagittarius is like, you know, let's do stuff and let's, you know, go for it. 
And Neptune is there to like go, he, 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 let me dissolve something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that we can overly do anything, anytime you have a square with um, Jupiter or an opposition, any kind of hard aspect with Jupiter, it's usually that there's too much of something. Mm. So, and I'm thinking in Sagittarius, like I just think there could be too much, you know, of anything like that has to do with, you know, pursuing something, you know, like opening up to things. I do think though, if you can channel this square energy, if you can get out of the tension of the square and like make your priority like source material first, i.e. Neptune, because it's going to dissolve whatever, you know, is happening. You put it in the source first and then just allow it to manifest in whatever way it's supposed to. And just stay like focused in that. I think that, I think, and now that we have Saturn and Capricorn with all the focus planets, like we could maybe do this. Yeah. Well, Um, yeah. I think that's a very key piece to that too. Yeah. Is the, is, well, and Saturn is really what is our our saving grace. And, you know, that doesn't come out of too many mouths. (laughs) Uh, But, but it's, it's true because, like you're saying, Lisa, Neptune, you have a little twinkle in your eye when you're like, oh, Neptune's agenda. <laughs> and yes. that's true. You know, the, the Neptune involved and Jupiter, you know, both planets don't necessarily are holding boundaries. And like you said, they're very strong. And even Neptune by traditional rulership is ruled by Jupiter. So we're still coming back there as well. But that is the trick that can really happen at this time. Um, even though I like to think of it as like, we're pushing forward, we're illumined on our dreams. I think in some places it could be pushed forward. For instance, um, I've noticed for the last few years that movies and, and like some of the like Neptunian things, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of photography, filming, stuff like that. The glamour industry, Hollywood, some of that has just been honestly sucking. Okay. <laughs> like there's just nothing good coming out. It's all regurgitated. Yeah. It's like not creative at all. I do think that this Jupiter, all over the top, the Jupiter the Neptune, <laughs> yeah. okay, can inspire actual imagination again. So mm-hmm. I would like to see that, and then maybe the Saturn and Capricorn like get it to market. You know, yeah. But, well, that's a that's a great point because yeah. that you know we do have this fantasy that is uh, going to be very strong at this time, and that is the trick because we don't want the wool to be pulled over our eyes because Neptune will right. gladly put it there and be yeah. like. Oh, you fell for my trick. Um, (laughs) You know, that can deal with being naive about a situation or being too gullible uh, when you're uh, with your own idealisms or, you know, with other people and what they have to offer, you know, because Neptune likes to be like, oh, it looks all great. But then then Saturn's like the harsh reality. It's not really that. Um, Yeah, yeah. But I think that part of this and why Saturn is uh, coming in from a sextile to Neptune to help Exactly. Us, I was going to say, that's going to help, actually. That's yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, as we are making these great changes and we are finding ourselves uh, entertaining more utopian uh, ideals and visions, especially as Aquarius season comes along here. Yeah. As long as we can tap into that discernment that that Saturn sextile, the opportunity there, it doesn't... It's not guaranteed. You have to turn on your Saturn lens in order to get there. But I think that there, it is a nice little, yeah, let's, let's dream big, but let's also put that practical piece into it um, so that we don't have a rude yeah. awakening down the road. Yeah, exactly. 
I just, I think that now, do you feel that, uh, Pluto, I mean, I realize that it's not in aspect right now, but because it's in Capricorn along with uh, Saturn, do you think that um, Pluto might have something to do with like the purification of the vision? Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's it's close and uh-huh. it's close. It's close and- That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. and here's the thing too, is because it can absolutely play in. It just might take some time because Saturn's moving there. It's, yeah. it's, it's collecting experience and it's going to get to that point. And so yeah. it, it, I think that tune won't move as fast. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. will be a component. Um, it might not happen quite at the same time, but I think yeah. it's going to be a part of the process uh, just because it's, it's close enough. And especially with these slow moving planets, you know, like just yeah. being in the energy alone yeah. is enough. Well, I think that um, the Jupiter-Neptune square, I think that whatever houses that Sagittarius and Pisces are for people, mm. they want to probably beware of um, overstimulation and over, you know, overreaching, over like, you know, like imagining something like that, like, you know, the deception part because of Neptune. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll want to make sure that um, they don't have their blind spots, you know, like before jumping in. Uh, talk to Saturn. Talk to Saturn. Talk to Saturn and Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> like gives you a clue. <laughs> yes. Because we're going to, we're going to need that. Uh, because yeah. I, I really like what you're saying there, Lisa, because it is true, you know, especially Jupiter and Sagittarius. I think, what was it? Uh, astrologer Jen Zart said the other day on Facebook, yeah. she's like, she called it exaggerious. She's like, I just coined it, exaggerious. And I was like, yeah, that's, that lines up and it lines up with what you're saying as well too. Um, and yeah. just the nature of uh, balance there as well, because if, if we put too much into something, like you said, Neptune's going to be like, okay, you forced me to have to like cut some of this. Into you said something that, oh, that is a great idea. So in the tarot deck, the Sagittarius card is the temperance card. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes. That's the balance. That is the maturity. So yeah. maybe what we can do is focus our energy on temperance, the maturing and the balance of that energy so that it comes out balanced instead of like all wonky. That yeah. could be a good focus. I love it. It's, and it's interesting you say that because I've been getting, personally, I've been getting the temperance card a lot lately and it does, mm. it does deal with moderation um, and that alchemical process of being able to balance something. And unlike justice, where justice is usually uh, very um, visible on the outside, like justice is something that is happening external and that's yeah. just what it is. Yes. It's yes. balancing the external realm, uh, but temperance is balancing the internal realm. Yes. And so, yes, I think that is a good... I, the alchemist. <laughs> yes. We need to be our own alchemist uh, in this situation here uh, and find that moderation because it will be easy to go overboard. And so we got to pull that Saturn in and remember uh, that there can be a great imbalance here if we're not aware of it. Yeah. So let's, let's focus on temperance. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a perfect way for us to wrap it up here with our message of temperance. (laughs) Um, I love it. So, all right, Lisa, so where can people find you? What do you got going on? Um, well, my book with Llewellyn will be coming out in, um, January ish of 2020. Um, there's no title yet, um, but it will be on timing 
for people that are psychic and they get all of the like vision, uh, but or you know they get all of the downloads, but they don't know when it's going to happen. So I'm going to be doing my best to teach them how to do timing without you know ruining their ability to do all of the vision and all of that kind of stuff. So. Um, look for that in Llewellyn. Uh, you can get on my email list. My website is timingmagic.com. Yes. And I will have that out for uh, people via my blog post as well. So you can get to Lisa. Um, and I will say, because April and I were talking about this last week, Lisa will also be joining us on our uh, our panel for 2019. <laughs> yes. Um, I should have actually said that. Um, I'll be actually talking about numerology and how this year is a number three or a 12, depending on, you know, how you look at it. Um, they're interesting. There's tarot energies with that and, and, you know, different kind of things. But um, I was just thinking how, um, besides the numerology piece, like there's going to be so much really cool stuff happening uh, with SanDiegoAstrology.com with the whole year. But we do have a really awesome... Uh, January panel for all of you, all of you to join us. I mean, it's what, like eight bucks or something. I mean, come on down, you know, <laughs> and down. then $15 extra, like once you become a member at $25, I mean, this is going to be so great because we'll be um, doing the charts with, with you guys. So we'll be talking about like some of these transits, like Jupiter, Neptune, uh, like the cancer Capricorn nodes with, um, you know, Saturn and Pluto and, you know, some other stuff like retrogrades and, you know, these types of things. So come on down. Yes. And so we're, well, we'll want to see you. And this is opposite. It's happened in San Diego. So if you're not close or you're not in Southern California. Oh, come to San Diego. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So any excuse, <laughs> really. Um, but it will be taking place uh, when this airs. It'll be this Friday, uh, January 11th. I believe. Yes, oh January 11th, 7.30 uh, at night, and then January 12th at 10 in the morning for the workshop. If you guys want to do your own chart and figure out where all of your stuff is and do it in a group setting, which we always learn a lot more in a group setting than even just doing it by yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice way to start the year, get on board with what's going on. Uh, and especially if you're local in San Diego, we'd love to see you and have uh, you join us. So that is, yeah, sandiegoastrology.com. Uh, we meet at the Joyce Beer Center in Hillcrest, uh, where the hub is. And like Lisa said, it'll be 7.30 p.m. on Friday. So come on down. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited about that. I think we're going to have a lot I of fun. I am too, honestly. Yeah. It's going to be so, really cool. Well, sweet. All right. So where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com um, and also on Instagram and Facebook at the same place. And I also have my Patreon page that has different tiers for you to support this podcast uh, along with a tarot subscription and things along that nature. And you can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Uh, and of course, myself and I'm sure Lisa as well, You know, we do consultations. So if you are interested in seeing either one of us or both of us, if you want to really get in there, you know, give us a contact, give us a shout out. Um, and if you like what you hear today, you know, spread the good word because that's how people uh, find out about us, find out about cool things, get the mind working. Um, and there's a lot of talk about right now. So share that. 
share a nice review, all those things. I will definitely appreciate it. All right, Lisa. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you. I I always love being on your podcast. Well, I love having you. (laughs) So it's perfect. No. Until we meet again. Which will be very soon, actually. Yes. (laughs) In person, but on the podcast until we meet again. Ah, Uh, indeed. Indeed. All right. And thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.